Hi, Mosaic. Uh, I can imagine that we've all reached that point in our journey through COVID-19 where we've realized that there is something um, wonderful about a long walk of vulnerability and openness and trust. And it's not necessarily a, a walk that we would choose, but as we get well into this journey, we're realizing that there are some beautiful discoveries along the way, um, some beautiful things perhaps being birthed uh, in us, around us, among us, uh, even in the midst of the hardship and the difficulties. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's certainly true that we would prefer to stay locked into our rooms of, of comfort and control and, and certainty. Um, but it seems like this season really has been a key of just kind of unlocking that door and, and ushering us out of those rooms into an opportunity of really just discovering um, what God has for us to know that um, in this unique situation right now, God's love is with us, um, working in us, working through us. Uh, so let's keep going. Let's, let's keep moving forward. I love hearing your stories. Um, this week I interacted with a quote by um, Robert Mulholland. He was a teacher of New Testament theology for many years uh, at a seminary in Kentucky. And he said, there's a difference between being in the world for God and being in God for the world. Let's catch that again. There's a difference between being in the world for God and being in God for the world. Now, Mosaic, the reason I share this with us is I believe this season that we're in right now, it is so important for us to become an intentional people who choose to, to turn off the, the social media feeds, turn off the news cycle, um, put down the forms of comfort and entertainment that we like to go to, and learn how to meet Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the stillness and in the quiet often. Um, because we have to learn how to be in God in the midst of this time. Because as we learn to be in God, in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're going to find ourselves given a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that allows us then to go out into the world uh, and, and be for the world in the ways that God calls us to be for the world. Because we all know how scary it is for people who believe that they're in the world for God. Uh, we don't want to be those people. So let's, let's, let's do that. Let's grow in intentionality during this season. I can remember the first time I, I watched the film Napoleon Dynamite in 2004. Uh, that film about that awkward teenager living in Preston, Idaho. And as the film started and as you got into the various scenes, you're wondering what in the world is going on here. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, hey, now's your time, you know, all kinds of time. So you can be intentional and watch that too. <laughs> but you get to the end of the film and then the scene happens in the high school auditorium and you're like, oh my goodness, this is where it's all at. Um, blew me away. Love that film. Uh, as much as even it drives you crazy when you first get into it, and you're like, what's going on here? And, and the reason I share that is because as we go through this season now, you know, we've been asking questions about, okay, so how do we move forward as a church in the midst of all of this? The good news is we're, we're moving forward. Something like this doesn't stop the church. 
We don't need buildings. We don't need the stuff that we used to do. We just need to be in God moving forward. And so even as a directional team, we've talked about, you know, we we don't know what the next month holds. Certainly people are starting to talk about things maybe opening back up. And we're just going to kind of pay attention week by week, you know, spirit, what are you, what are you teaching us? What are you revealing to us? How should we move forward? We don't feel that we have to rush and get back to anything that we were doing. Um, In a lot of ways, we feel that really going slow and just um, learning how to walk in step with the spirit uh, is something that's very important for us as a church right now. But certainly as we're in this season, it really feels fitting just to take long walks, to take a long journey and I've always wrestled as a pastor because I've wanted to take a long journey through the letter of Romans. A lot of people call this letter of Romans kind of like the pinnacle of all the letters written to the churches. The problem is, is like me, if you grew up in the church, um, when you heard that the pastor was going to preach through Romans, oh no. Um, I've seen Romans treated two ways. First way is this, uh, like a dead butterfly pinned down. And yeah, it's fun to examine all of the parts and to look at all the intricacies and how it all fits together, uh, but it just feels flat and dogmatic and systematic and dead. A second way that I've seen the letter of Romans treated is like a a wonder for us to behold. Something to live in a real time and place. It's like a butterfly that's still alive, that kind of lands on your finger, and you just admire its beauty, but you you know you have to be still. You know you have to to step in and say, wow, what's going on here? And so we're going to do that. We're going to take a long walk through this amazing letter. But here's the thing. We're going to do something unique over the next number of weeks, maybe even over the next few months. Mosaic, we're going to walk through this letter backwards. Yes, we're going to walk through it backwards. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he's, he's writing this letter uh, to the church at the center of the world during his day and age. In this world, the Roman Empire, it was all about privilege And it was all about power and it was all about war and division and strife. And thankfully, our world isn't like that anymore. (laughs) No, Paul's writing this letter to this, this church in the Roman Empire. And I think the things that he's sharing with them speak directly to so many things that we're facing in our world today. And as Paul writes this letter to the people in Rome, to the Christians in Rome, He's letting them know that, look, this God who's, who's creating this new human family in Jesus, he is a God of peace. This God makes peace with us humans, even though we chose to walk away and, and do our own thing in so many ways. And this God then invites us into peace with himself, but also then to cultivate peace with one another in the midst of an empire of privilege and power. In Romans, in so many ways, it's a letter of peace deconstructing the privilege and the power of the empire. And Jesus brings this good news of peace, peace with God, and his peace begins to dismantle all of these systems. 
but does it in a way that, that no one expects. And this new human family is being formed in the midst of this vast, gigantic empire. And, and this empire, it, it, it was marked by so many divisions of, of socioeconomic divisions. Um, those who had the power, those who didn't, those who had the wealth, those who didn't, those who enjoyed comfort, and those who had to work in order to sustain the comfort of others. The Roman Empire desperately needed peace. And Mosaic, I know that we all agree, our world so desperately needs peace. And the beautiful thing is, is that the letter to the Romans, it offers us a narrative that, that leads to peace. Peace with God. Peace with one another. The letter of Romans tells us about a spirit that's present with us that creates peace among us. And Romans will often tell us the ways that our lives disrupt this peace. And we need to pay attention to that. And we need to own the ways that our lives have the tendency to disrupt so much of the peace around us and all the ways that, that we get in the way of peace. And so, yes, we're going to walk Romans backwards together uh, and we're going to get a better picture of, of just what this letter and the, the, the living theology within is all about. Um, and I call it a living theology because that's what Romans is. It, it, it's a theology for life. And at the very beginning of the letter of Romans, but also at the very end, the Apostle Paul, as he's writing this, he talks about the purpose of this is that this good news would create in us an obedience to the faith. An obedience to the faith. And so faith is not just believing the right things. Faith is just not um, saying that, yeah, we've got the right doctrinal statement down. We've got the right kind of dogmatic stances. No. Faith is about obedience to what God in Christ has done for us. What he's done for the world and what he's calling us into. And so, as we begin to walk backwards through Romans, we're going to start at the very end, even right now for a few moments. Romans chapter 16, and um, we're not going to read it right now. I encourage you, if you want to read it sometime today, there, there's some fascinating things going on. And Romans 16 is, is really, it's just a, um, a long greeting to the church in Rome, which at this time is really just five extended households five households of faith that are saying, yeah, we believe that the way of Jesus is the way for the world. And in the midst of Romans 16, there's, there's 24 names that are mentioned. Most of these names we, we know nothing about or we know very little about. Two of the names, Aristobulus and Narcissus, as far as we know, they weren't even Christians. Uh, they, were, they were heads of great households in Rome, households that had a lot of power and a lot of privilege. We know from history books that Narcissus was a friend of Emperor Claudius, and the Emperor Claudius had, had passed before this letter was written, and uh, Narcissus had committed suicide after Claudius's death. And so chances are that, that the members in this household of Narcissus are, are slaves and people who um, still were holding that household together, the workers of that household. Uh, 
But these households that are mentioned, we, we believe that there's probably about 20 to 30 people in each of these households, servants, friends, workers, family members. Paul talks about the household of Prissa and Aquila. He talks about the household, the residence of Aristobulus. Uh, history books tell us that Aristobulus was the great, uh, the grandson of, of Herod the Great, uh, and he had passed Aristobulus, um, but perhaps there were slaves in his household that had become Christians and were now following the way of Jesus. There's the residence of Narcissus that I just talked about. There's the residence of uh, Asyncretus and others, and the resi- residence of, of Philologus, Julia, and others. And The reason I think it's important to understand that these five households are are being written to through this letter um, is this. Jesus is going to begin his new human family, his human family of peace in the midst of the middle of the world at this time through about a hundred people in five extended households. Don't miss that. That's where Jesus is going to begin his work. Jesus doesn't need church buildings. He doesn't need cathedrals. He doesn't need amazing pastors and gifted communicators. He doesn't need awesome worship bands. He doesn't need the Sunday gathering week after week. And those things can serve the common good of the church, yes. But more than anything, what Jesus needs, what Jesus is doing, is building a new human family in the midst of vast empires, people who are willing to be family together, who say, we are willing to lean into the way of peace, the way of peace with God, but the way of peace with each other, and then building that peace in and through the world. And Paul mentions two key names that I want us to focus on in Romans 16, because I think these names are fascinating. One name is Junia. And, and Paul says um, in the midst of these greetings um, that, uh, as, he, as he says, greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. And, and this letter tells us that Andronicus and Junia were prominent among the apostles. Now, in particular, Junia is a woman. She's a female. And Paul is saying she is prominent among the apostles. Now, here's a funny story as as this letter has been translated throughout the centuries. Um, Eventually, people got worried that, oh, hold on, a woman can't have that prominent of a place in the early church. And so some translations of the Bible began to translate Junia's name as Junius because they wanted it to sound male. You see, we, we have a hard time dismantling systems of power and privilege. There are always people who want to say, no, these people have the power and the privilege and they should keep it. But that's where I say this letter, ultimately it's all about dismantling, deconstructing those unhealthy, evil systems of power and privilege. Paul also, at the very beginning of Romans 16, he says, I commend to you, my sister, not my sister, our sister Phoebe. And so Phoebe is the one who's actually coming, another female who's coming to unpack this letter and read this letter for these five house churches. Now, she wouldn't just come and stand there and and like read the parchment. History tells us that most likely Phoebe would have been coached 
by the Apostle Paul. Um, the Apostle Paul was entrusting the, the life of this letter, how to say things, the emphasis, where to, to put the emphasis on certain words and certain phrases. And he's entrusting the, the living theology of this letter to this female Phoebe. So here's this Jewish patriarchal male who himself is realizing that the work that Jesus does in the world is a work of dismantling systems of power and privilege. And, and Paul tells us that um, Phoebe was, was a benefactor, that Paul was a benefactor of Phoebe's. And so this word benefactor, what this means is, is that Phoebe, um, she was a woman of means and she used her private funds, her private wealth for the public good. Uh, this is a beautiful individual, this Phoebe, right? And I mean, there are Phoebes all throughout the church today. I look throughout Mosaic and I see so many generous, faithful people who say, my life isn't about me, but my life and everything that I have is for the sake of the community and the peace that God is bringing to the world through Christ. In God's family, everyone is welcome. Everyone plays a role in sharing God's good news together. Mosaic, don't let anyone ever tell you, including yourself, including the voices in your head, that your presence doesn't matter. Mosaic, I say to each and every one of you, your presence matters greatly. And ultimately, Paul is inviting these these five house churches. Paul says to them, hey, I want you to greet one another with a kiss. I want you to greet one another with a holy kiss. And uh, maybe we've seen, you know, some of those uh, Italians who are so good at mwah, mwah, and they kiss both sides of the cheek. And so kissing was a standard greeting at this day and age. But Paul says, in particular, I want you to greet each other with a holy kiss, a kiss that's set apart. This, this greeting signifies a whole new mystery that we can't fully fathom that God in Christ has brought to us, that ultimately we are this new human family. Because remember, as Paul even introduced Phoebe, who is reading this letter, Paul says, this woman is our sister. Together we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we greet each other and how we long to do that now, right? That's why we talk so much about just laying hugs on one another. The early church, they talked about this, this holy kiss as being the kiss of peace. In our day and age today, we talk about passing the peace with one another. It signifies to us just that the unity of this new human family that God's spirit is bringing about. But Mosaic, in, in this day and age, uh, especially this time of being sequestered and having to practice six-foot distancing, how do we offer this, this mysterious, mystical greeting to one another? I want to wrap up just by sharing a few things. Number one, I, I, think, I think this is so important for us moving forward, whatever the future looks like, that we would be able to acknowledge that that God is inviting us to be a people of peace with one another. First, I think we get very intentional. 
I think we get very intentional and that means cultivating spaces where we turn off our tools of comfort, where we lay them to the side and we simply pause and we give thanks for the brothers and sisters in Christ that we have. And we, we acknowledge them by name and we bring each other often before God's love. And we don't have to use a lot of words with this. Prayer in so many ways is just entering into the presence of God, entering into the quiet and into the stillness. And maybe we can just recall each other's lives and each other's names and just, just bring one another before the love of God in those times of quiet and stillness. We get intentional. We can, get in, we can get creative. I think that's the second thing. We have to get creative in the ways that we can just intentionally greet one another in peaceful ways. You know, writing a letter, that phone call, driving by someone's house, offering them that, that friendly wave, just that, that smile that says, I see you and I love you. And I, I love seeing all the ways that so many of us are being intentional during this time. We are not forgetting that it does not take our regular Sunday gathering for God to do his work of creating his new human family in the world for the sake of the world. So we get creative. Third, we pray for the unity of the spirit to keep us all in body, heart, and mind during this time. Maybe that's just a simple way of just saying, God, through your spirit, would you keep us all at Mosaic? Mosaic, I, I believe something else that we can do that is, is we can just be walking our neighborhoods. We can be walking the places all around us and simply praying, God, would you do a work of, of allowing all of our lives to lean into these lives? Then that we're, we're not looking to control or manipulate anything, but we're just looking to extend peace because God in Christ has extended peace and love and grace and forgiveness to each of us. And so how can we extend that peace, that love, that forgiveness, that grace to one another? Let's not forget that as we begin this long journey of walking through the letter of Romans backwards, that, that this is where it's all headed to. This new human family that God is forming in Christ, and it's starting in the midst of this vast empire with about, a, with about 100 Jesus followers in these, these five different households. And this is how God begins his amazing work in the world. In Mosaic, there are so many small things being born and cultivated in our lives now. And I think this speaks great hope to us. So we're going to keep moving forward. Grace and peace to you. I love each and every one of you. I miss you. Um, and even in this moment, I greet you with a kiss of peace and say, um, the peace of Christ be with you.